0: Lord, we just thank you for this opportunity to come together, and Lord, you say where two or three are gathered, there you are in the midst of them, so we know you're here, we ask your spirit to lead and guide, and, and ask you to be with those that aren't here, and, and or Mark, as he's at the doctors, and the others, wherever they're at, you know what's going on, and we just thank you in Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, we're going to be in John chapter 1, to start with. We're going to be looking at, last week we looked at being brethren with God, and this time we're going to look at what it means to be a son of God. John 1, verse 11. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them to believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So we're looking at this. God looks at us as being his children. And it starts with verse 12 but as many as receive him, and this receive is to take hold of, to, not just, you know, to really grab hold of something. Uh, it's like if I grab this Bible and I've received this Bible. It's not mine necessarily, but I've, I have taken possession of it because I've received it. Uh, and he says, you know, if you receive him, for as many as receive him, to them he gave the power or the authority to become the sons of God. And I love this word for son. This, one, this word for son is a technon in Greek. And it means to be a child or an offspring. Okay, so that we become the offspring of God. Uh, and it has many other words he could have used. He could have said the infant, the child. Uh, there's a word for youth. But in this case, he's, he's using the word that means that we are his offspring. The other word he could have used was... Hyrios, which literally means offspring as well, but usually refers to a son. Uh, In the other verses we're going to look at, they use the word hyrios rather than technon. And technon is is a little more specific to offspring and usually referring to just the younger children, Uh, whereas hyrios is anybody from birth to to death. Uh, But the idea that we are made his son, children uh we talked a little bit about this when we were talking about adoption that went in a in a roman adoption you became considered the offspring of that adoptee or adopter rather the adoptee became a considered the offspring of that person even though they weren't physically related it was that they were going to be related Technon also talks about the prominence of somebody being physically in, and of outward appearance like to the father, you know, like to their parents. Which kind of makes it interesting when he uses that we are his technons. He's saying that we should start looking like him, acting like him, which is what happens as he comes into us and fills us and comes out of us. We start being, a, being truly a child of God and going to grow in him. And I think that was a beautiful word when he used technon in this case. <laughs> because, and I just like I said Sunday, you, know, you can usually tell who somebody's child is, not just necessarily by looks, you can tell a lot of times by looks, but also by what they say, how they say it. Uh, a lot of times I'll hear my son say something that I say a lot, you know, whether that's good or bad or not, sometimes you know, isn't really good, you know, isn't there, but. He'll say things that I say, uh, and if you think about it, we all do that. We all say or you know little little sayings that are that are popular in our family. Maybe nobody even knows what they mean, but you know it's what our parents always say or do. So we do it. Uh, and then it says, He gave us the power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on His name. And believe in this case is to think that's true, be persuaded, have confidence in. And in one sense, it also has that idea of because I believe it so much, I take action on it. Okay. And I know many people who say they're Christians and they don't even know what they're talking about. Then you've got the next layer that seem to know what they're talking about, but really haven't done anything about it. Okay, they say they believe Jesus, but they're not living in any way, shape, or form the way God wants them to live. And those are the ones I wonder sometimes, are they even saved? You know, you know because you see no, no evidence. Uh, and, I've, and I know a number of people that they say they're Christians, but they never read their Bible. You, you, know, you, never, you know, never hear them talk about prayer. Uh, never talk about how God has done anything for them. And you start wondering do you know (laughs) do you believe do you know God Uh, you know and and that's and we got to be very careful because we can't judge them for that but it it scares me when I see people like that because the Bible is so full Jesus said that in the you know in the parable he planted wheat and tares were planted in the wheat and he said this is an enemy and it was a clear distinction that every church has got unbelievers in it he says that, you know, talked about the sower and the seed and, and there are four kinds of soil. The road, you know, some seed fell on the road and immediately nothing even grew. The, the birds ate it. And birds always indicate bad uh, in the plural. You know, some fell on the edges where there's lots of weeds and it grew up and got choked out. And then some grew up on the hard land and, you know, rocky soil grew up and then got scorched. None of those produced anything. They're not, none of those were believers and some grew up and produced 40 60 hundredfold and those are the christians and there are lots of people who hear god's word and never and and want it you know they want what they're hearing the spirit moves in them but they don't truly act on it and they're not saved they're not saved they're going to go to hell they that group that group that has that, that you know that had that initial desire or sprung up and got destroyed are going to be those that say, God, "Lord, Lord, didn't I, <laughs> didn't I do some, you know, these things for?" You? And He's going to say, "Depart from me, I never knew you." And it's a scary thought. And I and I really want people to understand. We have to be careful because, <laughs> there's, He said, many in that day will say, "Lord, Lord, didn't I?" And because there was no growth in their body, you know, in their in their being, God did not indwell them and come out of them like we've talked about in many cases. And we see when, you know, it's very obvious to a lot of times when somebody's got God coming out of them. Uh, you know, and I'm just not saying it's going to happen 100% of the time because that's impossible. But I know people that I have no doubt that they're saved. You think I'm saved? I've seen you changing great, greatly in these last couple years. I'm very pretty sure you are. Good. Okay. Because I've seen those changes. And there's other people I haven't seen the changes. There's people I've seen lots of changes on. And... I'm not the one that has to know, though. You have to know. Well, oh, I think I am, yeah. but I'm just hedging my best. <laughs> but there's people you watch, and you know that growth. They're into the they're into, into the Bible. They're into prayer. They're they're looking at how God's helping them, and, and they talk about God. If somebody talks about God a lot, and in a way that know that they know God, I know a man in, in that I that I talked to and. His his references to God are always the man upstairs, the big guy, uh, the man in charge, and I'm going, Do you know him personally? You know, do you know him personally? Because that kind of those kind of, those kind of that kind of language scares me. You know, because there's all this, you know, the spirit around us type things, you know, and it's like, okay, but do you know who this is that you're wanting to talk to? You know, do you know him personally? You know, or is it just these nebulous. Ideas of spirituality and that's a scary thing when people don't know him They don't know what they believe in this case. It says they believe on his name And we've talked about the importance of name The name is everything that represents who somebody is and the authority behind them You know, it's not just saying well. I know the name Jesus Or I know the name God the father. Okay, that's all wonderful, but do you know do you truly know who it is? Okay, uh, and there's lots of people I say, I know their name, but I don't know them, uh, especially where, I'm, where I do the treasury at. You know, I, I, anybody who gives money, I know their name. I may have not have a clue who they are or what they do. I know their name, but I don't know them. Uh, and we have to be that way. Do we truly know the name of Jesus? Do we know his power? Are we intimately related with him? And that's part of what this whole idea of a child, a son, a son of God is, is the idea that we are related to him. We know him personally and we'll have an intimacy to bear with him. And then it goes on to say, therefore, but as many as receive him, uh, he gave the power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born. out all the natural. Okay? Not of the flesh. You know, that's anybody, whether you meant to meant to be born or not. Right. Uh, nor of the will of the flesh, and that is, again, somebody that's wanting to have you know just sexual relationship, and then the last part is nor by the will of man, which is the husband. It literally means husband here, which in other words, that the husband purposed to have a child. You know it says so. It's taken all the natural ways of having it. You know being born and saying none of those, but it is the will of God. And I love the idea, God wants us to be His children. You know not us. You know, we respond to his love, but it's it's he that initiated. You know, and then in First John, all over First John, it says he first loved us. You know, we love him because he first loved us, and it's very important. We could not love God if he didn't love us. We wouldn't we wouldn't even desire to. Uh, and it's pretty much true that you know, even in physical relationships, there has to be some kind of mutual attraction before somebody can come together. Now, whatever that level of mutual attraction is, it's, you know, if you want to just be friendly to somebody, you have to at least start, you know, you don't usually go up to just anybody and say, hey, I want to be your friend. Right. You know, there's usually something that attracts you to them, whether it's appearance or their personality or the fact that they go to the same places that you go. There's something that makes you want to start a relationship. You don't usually walk up on, hey, let's go be best, best buds, you know, let's be friends. Uh, you know, even in the Christian world, it doesn't happen <laughs> like that. Uh, but we, we will be more open to it at that place. But this is the will of God. He wants us to be His children. You know, be His sons and daughters, His children. And this is where it's really amazing. The whole idea, number one, that God wants us to be children and we think about what does it mean to be a child of somebody? Um, you know, and we know that most fam- most families are not perfect families and you know, but to be somebody's child normally means that they love you. You know, love you above you know, all other, you know, there's this idea that you're gonna do things for your kids you wouldn't do for others. Now in our days of divorce and, and remarriage and everything, it really messes up families because when you start mixing families, there comes problems. You know, there were problems even in, in my d- dad and stepmom's mixed family. As much as there was love going on, there was still this, these are my kids, these are your kids, these are our kids. You know, there's uh, this whole, don't be too hard on my kids or too soft on my, you know, there's all this stuff that goes on. And because people aren't doing it God's ways, we're seeing families being destroyed. But the idea of, you, these are your kids. You're going to do things. You're going to make sure they're, you know, when they're getting in trouble, you're going to try to help them if you can. Some people go too much into helping their kids and get their kids in more trouble because they're bailing them out of all the trouble instead of, but the idea of being in a family, that, that family love, there's all kinds of stories all the time about parents who rescue their kids at their, their life expense, you know, at the expense of their life because they're, kids are more important to them than their own life. And that is familiar family love. That's, you know, you're not just, usually you're not gonna push a stranger out of the way and die yourself. It does happen, you know, there are people that love to that extreme, but that's not the norm. Uh, God loves so much that he gave his life for us. You know, so he showed us that type of agape love that is putting others first. but the idea that he wants us to be his family. I love that, You know that he wants to make us his children. And we talked a lot about that when we talked about adoption. There's not a whole lot, this isn't going to be a long one because this is very much the same as adoption because he, he chose to make us family. But this one's really pinpointing the idea that we are his uh, offspring, as, you know, he's chosen to make us his offspring. Uh, Galatians 3. 26. For we are the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And this, children, is again the idea of the he eos, he which is offspring, usually a son. So it is definitely offspring. We are his offspring by faith in Christ Jesus. By faith. And, again, faith is the conviction that something's true. And it also talks about faith is also the trust and fervor towards something. I've been reading, in, reading uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs and reading how many times these Christians were called before the Roman, Roman governors and they were given an offer, an offer, sacrifice to these gods or say that Caesar is Lord and you can go free. In other words, deny deny Christ and you can go you can go free. Unfortunately, the, the book brings out that some of them said denied Christ. Most of them didn't. And they paid for the price, they paid for that decision. And you know, won't go into different ways they paid paid for that decision, but it is some of them were very horrible deaths. Um, and but they put trust and fervor to their belief. It wasn't just, okay, God, I have faith that you're there. And the first trial that comes along, nope, I don't, (laughs) God, I know you'll forgive me, so I'll just just deny you for the moment and stay alive. They were willing to give everything for that faith that they had in God, even though they had a way out. And this is something we have to be careful of. And, And I'm hoping as we come closer and closer in time, the Christians are going to be ready to say, I am going to pay no matter what. I read an article this morning about these companies, these people that are, you know, being charged for not, not serving homosexuals because it's against their beliefs. You know, and one of them struck me because I'd read Fox's Book of Martyrs yesterday, I was reading Fox's Book of Martyrs yesterday, and one of the articles, you know, this person was fined uh, $5,000 and told to give $10,000 to a homosexual charity. And so I, my thought was, here we are, at book, Fox's Book of Martyrs again. You now, honor God, or you know, or sacrifice to the deity. The deity right now being, you know, in that case, homosexuality. And I'm going. They've got a choice in front of them. You know, tell the tell the tell the judge. There's no way I'm sacrificing to something I don't believe in, and and take whatever punishment comes. You know, it's not going to be death, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, and. People might think that's funny, but we've we've talked about that. To me, death is the greatest blessing that we can have as a Christian because we get to go home. Uh, you know, and in their case, it's not going to be death; it'll be probably imprisonment for failure to apply. But hey, that's you know, there's those decisions. We we're coming to a place where we'll have to make decisions to be a Christian, and it may cost us going to prison. Uh, I've always believed and I've said this over and over I've always believed that I would go to prison for my christianity and I didn't think I was ever going to a communist country to to be there. You know, and I believed that as a teenager back in the back in the 70s and 80s I was believing this. You know, when it was not nothing was out there to make it look like christians were going to go to jail in America. Now we look, you know, it's just around the corner before christians started being imprisoned. It's not far down the road and we can see it because we see all the stuff happening out there and we have to get ready we, we have to get ready for the judgments that are coming where we're going to say am I following Christ <laughs> or am I going to bend and say well God will forgive me but I'm going to try to look good in the world and it's coming a time it's coming a time fast <laughs> that we have to make, be ready to make these decisions and it may not be far before we're long before we're being killed for our beliefs not just prison but being killed for our beliefs and scary yes but not so scary also because god is there <laughs> and the greatest thing is he will give us the grace to go through what we're going to go through and i love it i've always wondered will i have enough you know will i be able to say yes when i'm facing down the barrel of a gun or or something and I'm assuming that I will, but that's, I won't know until I get there and God gives me the grace to say, yes, here's your decision. And we're watching people. We're watching people all around our country paying for their beliefs because the world is so much against us right now. And we're going to have a lot more Christians Christians going out of business just because they're going to say, no, I can't, you know, I can't do that. You know, do i say that these people you know are going to say no you you know i'm not even going to serve a homosexual cuz they came into my place no but these guys that are trying to make them go you know make cakes for homosexual weddings or worse yet be the photographer you know at the wedding no they don't <laughs> you know that should not be happening you know what is it the government's business to tell businesses how to operate i have no idea <laughs> That's because the groups are, groups are forcing them to make those decisions. And instead of saying, no, it's not our business, they're trying to, they're, af- there is a, they're afraid of the homosexual community, wow. which is kind of an amazing thing because they're such, such a small population that if anybody said, you know, you know if they say no, we're not gonna you know, bend to them, it's like, how are they gonna put them out of business? Uh, so it's, but they're a vocal. They're a vocal group that has nothing better to do than, than cause a lot of trouble you know and this is the problem why conservatives and, and and everything have a harder time because they're busy raising families and and working for a living and worshiping god they, their their days are their weeks are full and their days are full. Um, many of the liberals who have no children, no families, you know they've got nothing nothing but time on their hand to. Cause trouble or try to make their their views views stand. And of course there's also the view that, you know, for many of us we feel that, you know, the right is going to win out in the long run. You know, we're in the end times where everything's being twisted upside down and sideways mm-hmm. and and uh, it's tough. So we're gonna have to just make our decision to go to, you know, stand for God. And you know, it's one of those things that's out there and but and it's not an amazing thing homosexuality has been a very violent very aggressive thing it was in, in the scriptural times you've got the in in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah you've got the, the them coming to Lot's house trying to break down the doors to take him out in uh, judges you have the story of the of the people the couple staying at the at the house and the men and the men, of the, men uh, Men of the town coming in and trying to tear down the house so they could get to get the man that was visiting, and it's homosexuality has always been a violent, <laughs> violent thing because they try to push their okay, agenda yeah. on other people. Still is today, um, and it you know same thing with the Muslims. They they you know Muhammad rode into towns and said convert or die, and you know and when he left you had a Muslim town. Or an empty town, one or the other. Uh, still today, what's going on? ISIS is bringing back the way he he ran he ran things. It's you know nothing has changed. It's it's amazing when you look at things. Nothing has changed over time. You know the 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 deep, strong, sinful activities are still violent. Still bring violence because they are of the devil, and the devil is a thief and a liar and a murderer since the beginning, and when they are following his ways, they're going to be thief, liars, and murderers that are attached to it. Christianity comes along and says we're going to lift up Christ, we're going to love people, we're going to help as many people, and we are from a generation where for for many centuries Christian morality, if if not Christianity, at least Christian morality reigned, and so we saw mostly good things around us at least in the Western European world. Now, if you were in Africa or the Middle East or even Asia, they did not have all that kindness that we've had in Europe and the United States. Uh, But as sin is abounding and, and Satan is abounding more and more, we're seeing the Western world fall into this sinful lifestyle. And it's always been this way in the other places. Violence, violence has been rampant in all of Asia in most of Asia and, and the Middle East and, and and Africa. Violence was always has always been rampant. You know, peace and kindness is not what normally shows up in these places. Uh, and heaven help you if you're a woman in any of those places. Uh, you know, because they've always been mistreated, always. Uh, I was listening to one of the guys on the radio the dark and he was talking about being in a Bedouin uh, Tent one time talking to them and he goes and he goes the men of the Bedouins are are doing the important things They're talking about everything that's going on in the world and how the world needs to be improved while the women do all the work and, You know the, the little work of you know cooking and, and the animals and everything, you know, and he was being facetious But that is their world men sit around do nothing women do everything and are totally subservient to to the men in those in in the and that's always what it is all through Europe all through India all through Africa and in the Middle East it's been that way and so we have been fortunate in you know for those of us that have grown up under the Western Empire you know Western European influence that Christ and Christianity's influence ruled and but it's changing, it's changing. We're losing, that, we're losing that strong conviction of who we are and, and that whole idea that we are his children. We're gonna go to Romans 8 next. verse 14 through 16 many as are led by the Spirit of God they are the sons of God for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry Abba Father the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and this is again the whole idea we are his children And here it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit. And that's guided and directed. And, you know, the whole idea that uh, we are going to be following what the Spirit says. Okay. And this is one of the reasons that you can tell when somebody is a Christian because they are led by the Spirit. They speak kindly to people. They act kindly to people. They are out to help people not for what can I get from this person, because the world looks at it as if you're kind to somebody and they're of the world's opinion, they're looking at, okay, what's your angle? Why are you being nice to me? What do you want? And we as Christians are just trying to show God's love to people. I guess we have an angle to bring them to God, but we're not there trying to manipulate them. You know, I'm going to be nice to you, so you're nice to me. And we all know people that are very much that way. They're of the world, and the only time they're nice is if they want something from you. Otherwise, they may be cordial, you know, and they might be all right. There's a couple in my family like that. <laughs> you know, a lot, so a lot of us have family members that are like that. Um, but you know, the whole idea that are we led by God, are we being guided by Him? Then we are, if we're led by Him, we are His children. And this whole idea that God disciplines his children, He He li- leads His children, He directs His children. You know, we do what he wants. It says, "For him, for you have not received the spirit of bondage," and this spirit, is, this spirit is a lowercase spirit. It means the the uh, essence, the the, uh, the essence of bondage in this case, or slavery. Okay, the world is enslaved to Satan. Whether they know it or not, they are enslaved. Their sin enslaves them, leads them to death. You, you are going to serve one of two, two masters. You're either going to serve God or you're going to serve Satan. And you may not be, if you're in Satan's world, you may not be literally bowing to Satan and praying to Satan, but you are doing everything that he wants you to do. Everything that the world and the flesh is trying to get you to do is putting you under his power. Uh, you, they, they'll lie to get themselves out of trouble. They'll cheat people. They'll... You know, the, the flesh is just one out there trying to make whatever's good for you. And if, I, if what's best for me is to be kind to somebody and that makes them like me more or do what I want, then I'm going to be kind to them. If, they're not, if that doesn't work, then I'm just going to be mean and try to overpower them. I'm, you know, I'm going to be the, the strongest person, in, you know, bully in the camp so that I get what I want. You know, but, and even bullies will submit to those that they can't bully to try to be nice to them to get their way. So I mean it, it all works out when the world is in there, you're doing what the, what Satan is. He's a liar, a thief, and a murderer. and we will do the same things if we're in the world. and even when we're walking with God, if we get slide into the world, we will do those things lie, lie, lie steal and cheat. you know uh, it doesn't matter whatever you know, if I'm not following God, I'm going to do what's good for me. And God is saying. Is the other camp saying, I want you to do what's good for me? God says, for me. <laughs> and that's to love people, to show His love to people, and let Him work through our life. So we're in one of two camps. There's no in between. There's no, you know, I love it when people tell me, well, I'm just doing what I want to do. Well, if you're not doing what God is asking you to do, then you're doing what Satan wants you to do. And I've talked about it over and over. Satan is trying to get us as many people away from God. Now, he doesn't care how he keeps them away from God. If they want to be good or think that they're being good but not doing what God wants, he doesn't care because they're not accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. If they want to be really evil, he he kind of likes that because that hurts lots of people. But even good people give the wrong impression if they're not following God. You get people like Bill Gates who gives lots of money to to charity. And he gives lots of stuff away, you know, And he's doing it for whatever reason he has for doing it. But I've never heard anything from out of his mouth that says he's a follower of God. And yet he's basically supposedly a good person. If you take out the idea that so many people think that he's stolen everything that he's ever sold, uh, but you know, there's a lot of people who think he's a really good guy. And I don't know him. I don't know him well enough to know whether he's a good guy or not. I know he gives away a lot. He and his wife give away millions. None of it, go, very little, it ever goes to anything Christian, but but he is trying to do, Satan says, okay, fine, be, be a good guy, look good to the world, or be a Hitler and look, look like a terrible person to the world. Anywhere in between doesn't matter to him as long as it's not God, not serving God. And that's why Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to him except Uh, to the Father except through Him, and He says narrow is the gate that leads to life. It's a narrow gate (laughs) because it's just Him. You have to accept Him and then the great news is, is once you're on the other side of Jesus everything opens up wide into grace and, and mercy and the way of the world which starts out wide is just like the roundup pens. They have these nice wide openings of fences then they drive the animals the big wide opening and it narrows down to one shoot which for those poor animals means death and that's the way the world is there's this great big camp campaign out there and they're being 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 herded right into one narrow focus of death whereas we face death by Christ we go through his death and then it opens up into the wide field for us to just have fun serving him And uh, so we look at this, we're not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, going back to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption where we can cry, Abba, Father, or that word is Daddy, you know, the intimate, the intimate, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if you remember when we studied adoption, we talked about the the Roman ceremony for adoption. The adopter, the, the the parent says, yes, I want this child to be my child. The adoptee says, yes, I want to be a child. And then we remembered that there was a witness. The public witnessed it and said, yes, we agree. The Spirit itself bears witness <laughs> that we are his children. The Holy Spirit is that third person, third party in the Roman adoption statement. He's bearing witness to the act of the adoption. Very powerful when you start seeing it from from the perspective Paul was was thinking. That the spirit bears that witness. He's the one that says, yes, I agree that they're they're a child. (laughs) They're going to be that child. Then we're going to look at 1 John 5. First John. Oh, first John? Where is that? Oh, like before it Revelation. It, I thought I thought <laughs> first John five, okay. Five. Starting at verse one. Whoso believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begot, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world and is, and this is the victory that overcometh the world even faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. We're going to look at this just a little bit. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And this was where it comes to, this has been said over and over by John especially, that nobody could call Jesus Lord unless he is a child of God. And so he's saying, whosoever believes, and this is that grabbing hold of, that that whole idea of to know something, that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone that loves him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten. In other words, if we love God, we're going to love each other. And this is something that's really important, and we need to see this. And this is the greatest picture of why we know who's a Christian. Are they showing love? If we find somebody that does not have love showing through them, and I don't mean 100% of the time because nobody can show that love 100% of the time, but I know people that say they're a Christian, and, and I've known them for years, and I never see any love. And you start wondering, do you know God? <laughs> is he really indwelling within you when, his essence, when the main essence of God is love? And this is why it's critical. Do we see love? Do I love people? Do I want to see what's best for people? Do I really want you know that love to shine forth? If I don't, then I've got to start wondering, do I know God? Because if I don't know him, then I'm going to live like a like a human being, any other human being, and not show love. But when I love him, and he loves me, I want to show that love to others. And sometimes I have to remind people, you know, you need to be more loving. You know, get back to where you're supposed to be. And sometimes I have to remind myself, be more loving, keep loving that person. And it says. For by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. This word grievous literally means heavy, burdens or burdensome. Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light. And when he's talking about this, the commandments of God, are they heavy or are they light? They're very heavy if we're trying to keep them on our own strength, because we can't keep six hundred thirteen commandments that that are totally against the flesh. We're not going to be able to keep. We can't even keep one really, you know, hardly at all. Uh, you know, because there's probably even in the ten commandments there's probably nothing that we haven't violated that everybody hasn't violated at least once. Especially when you take them the way Jesus said, you know, if you even think an angry thought at somebody, you've murdered them or think lustfully or or even think about the lie, you, you've, told, you, you, you've broken it. But they're not grievous when God is working them through us. When he's living in us and he's changing us to be more like him, there's not that striving and, and hardship of trying to figure out how do, I become, how do I keep these things. Because it's just saying, okay, God, <laughs> I'm going to let you live through me. And because he is, all the commandments come from who he is, he lives them out with ease, and we will live them out with ease be- because he's living through us. So this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. They're not. I'm not striving. I'm not struggling. I'm just saying, God, crucify my flesh, live through me, and then he loves people through me. He keeps me telling the truth. He keeps me from committing adultery he keeps me from fornication he keeps me from all the other things that that are out there because he is the one living through me and they're not grievous and it says for whosoever is born of God overcometh the world and this victory that overcometh the world even our faith. So our faith letting God take care of us gives us victory makes us overcomers and then the verse 5 who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, those who are saved are overcomers. And this flows right into Revelation. In Revelation chapter 2 and 3, seven times he uses he, uh, he that overcometh, and then he says something about overcomers. And what he's talking about, because John wrote both books, is he's ending each one of those sections with a statement about Christians okay so just check it out go to Revelation 2 and 3 and read about the different churches in in your leisure and you'll see that term he that overcometh and there's something special about them and it's referring back to this this verse so we want to be able to look at this name God says that you know we are overcomers because we believe him and on this one believe means to think to be true persuaded of have confidence to entrust ourselves into someone else and just to know that he's going to be true that he will be true and this is the great thing that God is our answer he's you know I love the idea that all I gotta do is trust in him and he's gonna deliver He's gonna give me the grace to get through. He's going to give me what it takes to be victorious. I don't have to do it. Number one, I can't do it. I've been walking with him for 44 years now and I still can't do a lot of what I'm supposed to be doing without him. If they were doing it on my strength, I'd be a lost lost cause. And just to know that he is changing my life. He has done the changing. And I've said it so many times. I love the way God does it. He comes to me and says, hey, Ralph, are you ready to give this up or are you going to keep doing it? And there's love when he does it. I can tell when he's done it. And I can tell you a lot of times I say, no, I'm not giving it up. And then he'll come back another couple months later and say, well, are you ready to give it up yet? Yeah. And I'm learning, I'm learning to be faster at saying yes. And it's taken me years to get there, but I'm learning to say it. You know, say yes faster. Because never once has he asked me to give up something that, is, that has hurt me or made my life miserable. He's taken, and some things he's taken away from me, I dearly loved what he took away from me. Yeah. And some things weren't really necessarily sin, they just took time away from him. And in, in everything he asked me to take, give up, he gives me something better for. So I'm learning to be very positive and saying, yes, God, I'm ready. Let's, let's go forward. Yeah. Maybe not on the first time still, but I'm more ready to jump at it because he's never harmed me with anything that he says, give up. And this is the great thing. When he asks us to give up something, it's not for our harm, it's for our better. And it's fun to watch how God works. I love watching God do things and watching the way he works in lives. And I love watching how he works in others' lives, in my life, and seeing the blessing he brings to people's lives. And that's the whole reason I agree with Paul. It is better for me to be here and teach people God's word, even though I'd like to go home. It's still to watch people respond to God is great. It's sad when they don't respond to God and go through hard times because they're not responding to God. But there's also that blessing when they respond to God and 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 you see the growth. And you say, thank you, God, there's this little bit that I'm having in these people's lives. and I know it's God doing the work, but it's allowing me to be the tool that he uses to present it. And it's fun. It's fun to see God use you. Fun to see God work through you. And I hope that everybody that ever hears me speak gets to that point where they help others. And they get to see God working through them. Because if we weren't being used by God to work through, then he might as well just take us home. Because we would be worthless. And if I ever get to the place where I can't preach, teach, and instruct people, then I hope he takes me home. Because I love to, to help people. And I love to help people. Even, it's funny because God is part of who I am. And I've had people tell me that they've learned more just talking for 5, 10 minutes with me than, than they usually do. And that's, and that's not even when I'm planning to teach. That's when I'm just tell, letting God talk. And it's important for us to get to that place we all have people that we talk to encourage that we will give information to that we may be the only one that can reach them and God gives us that opportunity to open our mouth and speak and let him guide our words and we may be surprised at some of the people that we get to do that with and we will really be surprised when we get to heaven and we you know and we've get to see all the people that have been touched by things we've said or done that we didn't even know that we had done because we were just living our life. And we've talked a lot about the idea of smiling and being different from, you know, different from so many people and people look at you and say there's something different. There's people being touched by us that we have no idea when they watch us living a godly life and they're going, I need that. They may not know exactly what they need, they may not even know how it is, but it leads them eventually to seek God. And it's gonna be an interesting time in heaven when, when, when we come up to somebody comes up to us and says, You're the reason I'm here. Or you're part of the reason I'm here. And that's why one of the songs I love so much is is just the song called Thank You and it's all about you know it starts out, I dreamed I went to heaven, you were there with me, and it's talking about all the people that come up to them in heaven and saying, I'm here because you gave that little bit to the to the missionary, I'm here because you said a prayer, or I'm here because, you know, little things you did. And it's going to be wonderful when we get to heaven and, and we see what, what God has done in people's lives as He has worked. And it's not us that's doing it, it's Him working Thank through God. us. It's Him working through us. If it was us, it wouldn't be worth anything. All right, well, let's close. Well, we've got them really quick. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the and to look. And we just thank you that you make us your sons, your daughters, your, your family. And Lord, we just ask that you continue to live through us. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.